So I want to ask you this evening, if you would please, to turn to Joshua chapter 1. The title of the message this evening is The Path to True Success. The, the Path to True Success. I want to read Joshua chapter 1 and verses 1 through 9. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Have just a short word of prayer, and then we'll read. Our Father, how we thank you for salvation so rich and so free. We thank you for your word that we can use to guide our lives. Thank you for the, the plan of the local church, a place to come and to fellowship and to worship, to serve. Father, tonight I pray that you would take your word Allow your Holy Spirit to drive it deep into our hearts. Father, help us to learn what each of us individually need to gain from these verses. And Father, help us to leave here more ready to say, here am I, send me. Help us to be better ready to serve you. And we'll be careful to give you the praise for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Joshua chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, and unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Verse 3, he says, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their family, unto their fathers, to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success." So I was thinking through the week I was going to come down and into the congregation and ask somebody, uh, what's the best road for me to take to get home? And they'd all look at me because nobody here knows where I live. And, they'd, and they would have to say, well, we need to know where you're going before we can tell you which road to take. And so my, my opening thoughts as I prepared for tonight was, what is success? That's what I was going for because I'd kind of pulled this verse 8 out or kind of jumped out at me as I was reading. Now, though, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really kind of open this up and see what is good success. 
But then as I found it in its context, I had to kind of drop that title. And rather than call it what is good success, it needs to be the path to good success. For every one of us, where we're headed is different. For every one of us, our thought of what success is, it's always different. And even in each of our own lives, at different phases of our life, success is always something different. I, I was thinking of a, a young couple, and they're, and they're having their children, and they're looking for a home, and they find a home. And it's four bedroom and four bath, and they are both so excited. And they say, Let's, that's the house for us. Let's bid on it. Then 50 years later, you're looking for a home. And you say, here's one with four bedroom and four bath. And you look at each other and say, and who in the world is going to clean four bathrooms? The, the whole idea of, of importance changes throughout our life. I was thinking back to almost 60 years ago, about 57 years ago, and I was thinking the number one most important thing in my life, and I can remember, I can remember laying in bed, I wasn't saved, but I was religious, and I was praying, and I'm saying, Lord, please let me, let my name be on that list tomorrow, because the coach was putting out the list of who was going to letter in football. And I can remember praying, oh, Lord, I'll do anything. Just let my name be on the list. And now 56, 57 years later, I don't have the letter sweater. I don't have the letter jacket. And now my greatest goal is, Lord, help me to get out of bed in the morning and everything's working properly. And it's how I, I, again, just thinking about this matter of, of success and then looking at definitions. And I... I put in my notes here, my favorite dictionary is the Jesus Dictionary, amen? But what he gives us here is, is more about the Jesus book of antonyms. And he teaches us in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, he simply teaches us, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So I looked up the definition, of course, in the normal secular dictionary, and it starts out pretty good. It says, the accomplishment of an aim or purpose. That's success. But it's immediately followed by the attainment of fame, wealth, and social status. Then I got to thinking of the news in the past year or two years or three years. And you think of the, the wealthy. And when I'm saying wealthy, I mean the billionaires. And how many of them, when they get to the end or near the end of their life, they start giving away. It used to be they used to give away millions. Now they give away billions. And many of them end up kind of going into their homes and closing the doors and living in seclusion. Because what they strove for their entire life, the fame and the riches and the power, at the end of their life, those things mean absolutely nothing. And so we as Christians, we need to understand what is it we want to accomplish? What, what is our definition of not just success, but what is our definition of good success? So 
As we look at this portion of scripture, we see Moses has died and the baton is being handed over to Joshua. And Joshua is told, if you do these things, you will have good success. So that's what I want to look at this, morning, this evening. Look at verse 1 again. It says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. So we see when the baton is being handed from Moses to Joshua. One of the things we're going to see, and we'll see it over and over, we heard it as we read through it, nothing changes. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The things that he told Moses are exactly the same things that he'll tell Joshua. How he tells Moses to do something is exactly the same way as he will tell Joshua to do something. And so one of the lessons we learn in these verses is God doesn't change things. We don't, we don't have to find a new way to do things. We simply need to be available to do what we are supposed to be doing. He says in verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan. When Pastor Brian was singing that great hymn, that's what he's telling Joshua. He says, arise. So for you and I, it's get up and get going. This is what God needs for every one of us to do. And that is for most of us. The get up and get going is the hardest part. And, and particularly if we sense God is asking us to do something different than we've always done it, the way we've always done it. Maybe a, a, a career change in our life to serve him in a different way, to serve him in a different place. And so he, he tells Moses, he tells Joshua, he tells Jeremiah, he tells Isaiah, whether he's dealing with Paul or Peter or you or I, the first thing you and I need to do is we need to get up. We need to get up and go. And it, and it doesn't matter what age we are. It doesn't matter what, what phase of our life we're in. The arise and go is often the most difficult and the most important. One of the things we've all learned, I think, we, we don't always get up when we're told to get up, and we don't always go when we're told to go. But we've all gotten up at some point, amen? And we've all done something we knew God wanted us to do, and when we did, God did all the rest. If we just do what we're supposed to do, then God performs all of the work for us, but he still needs you to get up and go. You look at verse 3. He says, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given you. This is, a, this is a, a great promise. And it is a promise that he gave to Moses. It's a promise that he's now giving to Joshua. And, and I love, just turn over a page or two to Joshua chapter 3 and verse 14. Pastor Brian in Sunday school this morning kind of made light of talking about something along the same manner. And 
he said, you know, the hardest part is getting out of the, the lazy boy recliner. Amen. And I, I was kind of had that picture in my mind. You're in your, you're a lazy boy and your, your feet are up. The soles of your feet are sticking straight out doing nothing at all. And God says you need to get up. You need to go. And where the soles of your feet touch, that's yours. And God will give that to you in the center of his will. And look at here in chapter 3 and verse 14. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan and the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as they that bear the Ark were come unto Jordan and the feet of the priest that bear the Ark were dipped in the brim of the water for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest that the waters which came down from above, listen to the, the description, the waters stood and rose up upon the heap very far from the city Adam, that is beside Zaratan. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. We see how God works. He says, get up and go. Joshua has to tell the priest, get up and go. The priests have to get ready, and they're looking. You know, when we were in Israel this spring, Jordan was pretty calm. But at this time in history and during harvest, it was a raging river. It was horrifying. And yet the priests had to take that step, and they had to just simply take one step. And I, I probably heard this when I was a brand new Christian and, and then a little further along, but that one illustration taught me an awful lot for the Christian walk. It is not up to me to take all the steps and do all the work. It's up to me to take the first step. And then God does the rest. He does the work. He stops the water. He dries up the ground. And all the priests had to do was stand there on dry ground. But if they had moved, then God's hand comes away. And so each one of us has to understand what is, what is my part here? You know, what is my part in God's work? There's so much excitement right now with Awana starting up. And, and I mean, I, I've been affiliated one way or another with Awana for, I don't even know now, 35, 40 years. It, it's just, it's an exciting ministry. And every single person involved in it has such an important part. And you have the children's church. I, I watch the young ones here in the morning service, and, and when it's time to leave, they're ready to leave. Amen? Everything, every part of the ministry is important. And when God tells you to do something, you should do that. When he tells me to do something, I should do that. Arise and go. And where your feet touch that I've asked you to go, he says, I'll do the work. I've, and, and it's kind of past tense. He says, I've already given it to you. It isn't like we're conquering it. God says, no, it's already yours. You, what you need to do is simply go and get it. And he emphasizes in verse 3 at the end, he says, uh, I'm sorry, back in verse 1, uh, chapter 1 and verse 3, 
after he, after he tells Joshua, every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, have I given unto you. But then he says, as I said, unto Moses. So the promises of God to Moses are the same promises of God to Joshua. And those promises carry down generation to generation. And uh, just to, to see when God gave it to Moses, all the way back in Deuteronomy 11.24, God tells Moses, Every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. From the wilderness of Le and Lebanon, from the river, the, like the river Euphrates, even unto the uttermost sea shall your coast be. Folks, things don't change. God's word doesn't change. God's promises never change. We just need to learn to hold on to them, cling to them, obey them. Follow them. And then we need, to, we need to get up and go. Look at verse 5. It says in verse 5, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Now when you read, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. I hope somewhere deep down you're wishing you could shout amen. Now, I know, I know we're Baptists and we're kind of a quiet group of Baptists. I, I can remember Dr. Whitfield sitting in the back row and we'd be back with him and the choir would be singing. He'd lean over and say, I don't know how everyone is not shouting amen right now. He says, I feel like running around the auditorium. <laughs> and and when, we see, when we see a verse like this, God says, get up and go. Wherever your feet go, I have already given it to you. And he says, and no man can stop you. Now, you can't just take that verse out of its context. You don't just decide you're going to do something and say, nothing can stop me. No, if you're in the center of God's will, doing exactly what God has asked you to do, then absolutely no man can ever stop you. Isn't that a wonderful thing? But there is one person. I can stop me. And I have stopped me many times. And you can stop you. And I venture to guess there have probably been times when there were things you knew you should do, but you did not do them. But it is a, it is a wonderful feeling to know if I will just do God's will, nothing can stop me. If I am doing exactly what God wants, no man can stop me. I think, I think Christians need to understand that the ideal picture of a Christian is not somebody standing there and biting their nails like the sky is falling. Friends, the sky will not fall till God allows it to fall. And God has not given you and I the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And we need to demonstrate that in our, in our life, in our families, in our church, in our, in our service to God. No, no man can stop it. What are we afraid of in the center of God's will? And there is nothing to be afraid of. He says in verse 6, be strong and of a good courage, 
For unto this people shall provide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. So again, we see it generation after generation. The promise was to their fathers. The promise was to Moses. Moses disobeyed God, did not give the, get the privilege of going into the promised land, but everywhere the sole of his foot went in his life, God gave it to him. And now he is fulfilling the promise to the fathers who were disobedient, now fulfilling that promise to the children. His promises are from generation to generation, and, and we are told we need to be strong and of a good courage. Paul takes, and, and one of the things we love to see is the, the truths of the Old Testament, not just fulfilled in the New Testament, but retaught in the New Testament as understood by the born-again pastors. And so Paul teaches these truths first to the church at Corinth, and in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, he says to the church, watch you, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Now, quit you like men doesn't mean quit. It means stand firm. And so Paul is teaching the same truths as God taught Moses, as God taught Joshua, as is taught all the way through the Old Testament. That truth is now sent into the New Testament. And we, as the local church, we need to watch and stand fast. We need to be strong. Paul teaches the same thing to the church at Ephesus. In Ephesians 6.10, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You start standing for the Lord and be strong in the power of your might, we're all in big trouble, amen. But we stand in the power of his might. We take the step, he does the work. We take the step, he performs the miracle. We take the step, he stops the water. We present the gospel, the Holy Spirit impresses it on the heart of the hearer. We are not the power. We are just the mouthpiece. We are his feet, his hands, his workmanship. Look at verse 7. Only be thou strong and courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. He's, he's telling Joshua he will prosper, but now he's giving the conditions of the road to take for good success. The road to take if you're going to prosper. And he says, first of all, he says, Thou strong and very courageous. I've known a lot of people that are very strong. And they can be very strong spiritually. And they can understand this book from cover to cover and have a deep and, and wonderful understanding of the word. But they are not courageous. Nor are they very courageous. We take in the word, and we take in the word, and we take in the word, but do nothing with it. But here we're told that we need to be strong and 
very courageous. And this very courageous has an interesting understanding in the Hebrew. It means to be alert, to be on your foot, to be strong, to be hardened. And I hesitate to give you this word because you can certainly do a lot of bad with it. Be obstinate. Now, that doesn't mean obstinate to your pastor and obstinate to the church and obstinate to your spouse. That means be obstinate in that nothing is going to get you to go either to the left or to the right. And do you know it's just as easy to get off track on either side, on the left or the right? I've probably said this before, but the most difficult thing you and I, I believe, the most difficult thing you and I will ever accomplish in our Christian walk is this simple thing. Walking down the straight and narrow. So many things pull us, don't they? The world, sometimes some, some new idea that someone is uh, teaching about the Bible, and we can go sometimes a little bit to the left and a little bit to the right, and then what we find is once we've gone to the left a little bit, whoa, we got to really make up for it, and we swing way too far to the right, and it takes us all this time to get back into the center. And God says, you need to be strong, you need to be courageous, you need to stay on the path, don't go to the left, don't go to the right, just do what I'm asking you to do. You, you've got to know the word of the Lord. He says here, he says we need to observe the law. Don't deviate from the law. When I say the word law for you and I, I'm just talking about the entire word of God. Don't deviate from it. There are thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of books written about the Bible. Just be careful when those books make you deviate from what you already knew to be truth. And people are some, I, I, I think about sometimes uh, debate teams in college, and I've always been kind of against those because one of the things I've seen with debate teams is that they assign what side you're on. And the winning side is not the side that's right. The winning side is the side that can debate the best. And so that's why you have to be cautious when you're reading things about the Bible. Let the Word of God speak to you. Let God's Holy Spirit speak to your heart and guide you and to help you. And the result of coming down that road is that we can prosper. And it's not prosper financially. It's, it's prosper, if you will, spiritually. Prosper with a fulfillment of life. Prosper in the things that, not fame and money and power, we prosper in happiness and in joy. We prosper in the things that at the end of our life, we don't have to give away because they're ours. And they were the right things. And they were the things that we desperately needed. Look at verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy, out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, this is where Pastor Nate took part of my message this morning, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. That thou 
mayest. We need to speak and meditate God's word day and night. It, it just, it simply needs to be the center focal point of everything that we do. Not, I mean, Sunday's a wonderful day and we look forward to it, but it needs to be what comes to our mind for every decision we make on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It needs to be scripture that comes to our mind when we're making life's decisions and what should I do and where should my feet go and what path should I be on? What is truly good success? We need to, we need to have these things in our mind. The, the psalmist in Psalm 1 verses 2 and 3 but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Folks, that's the life, that's the life we genuinely want. And yet at times it's not the life that we're going after. We know what we want, and we know what the Bible says, and yet we get off track. I need to make, I just got to kind of focus on my job right now. As you focus on your job, you lose sight of the Word of God. There is always a balance. You can always do both, and you can be the best at your job and still make the Word of God central in your life. Don't think it's either or. If we obey this book in the workplace, we'll prosper. If we'll just do what the Word of God says, we will prosper. Jesus has the ability to take a 40-minute message and bring it down to one line. If you know these things, happy are ye, if you do them. I've often said, a lot of people will come to me, and you as well, and say, I don't know, the Bible's so complicated, I can't understand it. And I've often told them over and over, I said, friend, the part of the Bible that you don't understand isn't your problem. Your problem is the part you do understand, and you refuse to do it. There are so many things that we understand in the Word of God, and yet we know we don't follow it. You want to be happy? Jesus says, just do what you know of the Word of God. These things are all conditional. Then... Your way can be prosperous, and then thou shalt have good, real, eternal success. Again, Jesus says in Mark 8 and 36, For what shall it profit a man? He shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Now I'm talking about the path of our life that goes on and on and on, but the Bible makes it very clear there is only one path to salvation, only one path to eternal life, and that is through Jesus Christ. You must be born again. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by him. It's very narrow, and yet it's wide open for you this evening if you're not saved. doesn't matter how much money is in the bank. doesn't matter how big our home is. At the end, without Christ, we have absolutely nothing. And then after I was finished putting the message together, I'm like, oh, I could have read this one verse and we could have all gone home. But I didn't. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And, and that's such a simple understanding. 
The word of God will help us to know how to take the very next step, where the sole of your foot should go next. And, and it can illuminate out just a bit. Friend, we don't want to see the end, do we? We don't want to see the end of the path. God gives us what we need for our feet to take the next step. And if we will open the book and take that step and that step, he says, and do it, you'll prosper. And you will have good success. And then if we think about the New Testament, and the, see, it's talking about having good success. It never says, then you shall succeed. Because we never succeed. We walk this path for our entire life. We succeed when we go to heaven. That's when we succeed. What we need is good success. We need to prosper along the path that we're walking as we serve him. And I, I think this was, I remember one of the times we were in Israel, we had a tour guide and one of the things, every time we got on the road, that there was a Roman road, and it was called the way. And so he would say, okay, now we're back on the way. But then he, he did spend some time talking about how the Christians were often referred to as those that were in the way. They were found in the way. So all that means is, is that we're walking the way that people expect Christians to walk. They knew how Christ walked, and when they saw these other people walking, they said, oh, they're in, they're in the way. And as long as we are in the way, we're safe. As long as we are on his path, we're safe. And we will prosper. And we can have not just worldly success, but we can have this, what the Bible calls good success. And we'll continue to have that as long as we continue to walk in the way. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Pray that you would help each of us to take this word to our hearts, to our feet, to our lives. I pray that you'd be able to use us. Father, help us to know when you're calling us, when you're asking us to do something. And Father, help us to be able to get up and go Get on the path. Let our feet go where they ought to be. And we'll thank you for what you do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.